Good evening. A warm welcome to the service uh, this evening. Let's worship God now. Ich 
If you could turn now, please, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 20. So we move from uh, Sodom, uh, where there's that grim scene, and uh, the camera kind of looks at Lot and the situation that Lot was in, uh, in Sodom. And uh, now we focus uh, back on Abraham. And uh, Abraham has been fairly steady. He's, uh, over the last couple of chapters, we see, we see some ups and downs in the early part of his, his uh, life of faith. But there's been a, a sort of steadiness for a couple of chapters. And now we're into chapter 20. And we'll read at verse 1. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead, because of the woman you have taken, she is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. So I have kept you from sinning against me. That's why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? 
You have done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, This is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, save me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live whatever you like. To Sarah he said, I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offence against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his slave girls, so that they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray as we turn back to God's word. Lord God, we thank you for your great love for us that we have sang of in in that hymn. We thank you for the amazing grace that would enable us to, to be children of God, to be those who are saved from sin and saved into a relationship with you where we can call you our Father, where we know Jesus as our elder brother. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We thank you. Lord, that we can call you that friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you that we find refuge, that we receive our strength from you. We thank you that you're the God who who searches us and who knows us. You know the extent of all our our falls and failures, and yet uh, your love for us is constant. So give to us, we pray, more of a a sense of the wonder and the, the magnitude of that love. And yet, Lord, help us to remember always uh, that you are the God who is immortal, the invisible, the only wise God, the one who is high and lifted up, the one before whom the angels veil their faces. Enable us to be those who who recognize through the work of the Holy Spirit uh, that you are the, the almighty God, the holy God. And may we never be found rushing into your presence thoughtlessly or casually. Forgive us, Lord, uh, when we do. And help us, we pray now, uh, as we open your word, to remember uh, that these are uh, your words spoken to us. Thank you, Lord, that this account of Abraham's walk with you uh, is clearly and plainly and uh, honestly stated in the pages of these chapters and we receive encouragement as we see your sovereign power uh, your amazing grace and yet we receive encouragement also as we see uh, the the humanity uh, the fallen humanity of those you call to walk with you so encourage us lord we pray uh, through your word speak to us show us yourself show us lord who we are show us our great need of you and enable each of us, we pray, to, to come to you, to hear the, the words of Jesus saying, Come unto me, all who are weary 
all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. So grant us that rest, we pray. Enable us to learn from you as we look to you at this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was last Sunday, or it might have been the Sunday before, uh, that I was showing the children uh, the L plates of the, the car. And when you've got someone in the house who's learning to drive, then you have to have the, the L plates on the car. When the learner driver is is in the car, uh, there has to be an indication at the front and at the back uh, that the person who's in the car, the person who's in control, is l- still learning. And that, I suppose, tells everybody else on the road uh, that they need to be a bit more patient with the person who's in front of them, holding them up. Uh, it also tells the person in front and behind that perhaps they need to be uh, a bit more alert Because there's the possibility that if someone's uh, learning and uh, not confident in the car, uh, that they they might do something silly. Now Abraham, as we zoom back in on him in this chapter, Abraham, I think, if we do the maths, has been following God now for, uh, for 25 years, quarter of a century. And yet he still needs to have the L plates on. And all of us as those who are following the Lord, those who are disciples of Jesus, uh, we always need to have the, uh, the L plates on. We always need to recognize uh, that we are learning. Even uh, as we think about the verse uh, in Matthew 11 that I just quoted there, uh, it, uh, it reminds us that Jesus says uh, that we're to learn from him. We're always to be learning. And uh, Abraham uh, needs to have his L plates on because uh, we see that 25 years down the line, he's still making the same mistakes. Just like the, the learner driver might make the same mistakes going into the roundabout or coming out of it, uh, or just like a pupil might make the same mistakes uh, when they're sitting in an exam, Abraham seems to keep making the same mistakes as he enters into new territory. This ill-advised plan where he says to his wife, just pretend you're my sister then I'll be safe. And you can show how much you love me because I'll be safe. So the first point to note here is that Abraham is a slow to learn uh, believer. He's a slow uh, to learn believer. And we see that uh, if we just step through the verses. uh, Verse 1 and 2. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev, heading south, and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She's my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. Now, we, can, we don't have to look too far back uh, to see exactly the same thing happening before. Uh, remember in Egypt, as Abraham and Sarah enter into the land of Egypt, uh, Abraham's plan because he recognizes that Sarah is beautiful, he, he says, I'm going to be at risk in this place. They're going to see you, Sarah. They're going to see your beauty. They're going to see that I'm a problem because I'm your husband. They're going to try and eliminate me. So pretend you're my sister. They'll show me respect. I'll be safe, and who knows what will happen to you. So that was his plan. And if we glance back at Genesis 12, you can do that later, uh, we can see uh, that that plan worked out badly. Abraham, that was his plan going in there, and, and it was a disaster. 
And you can read the story in, in Genesis 12. And the lessons that Abraham had to learn uh, through that chapter and through that venture into Egypt was that he needed to trust God and not his own planning abilities. Abraham uh, had to learn the lesson uh, that he needed to tell the truth and not be deceitful. Abraham had to learn the lesson that he should not put his wife in harm's way in order to save his own skin. So these are all the lessons that Abraham had to learn the hard way as he's traveling through Egypt. And yet here he is, he's entering into a different place, but he's back again making exactly the same mistakes. He has the the same lack of faith. He is a a slow-to-learn believer. And yet, as we look at Abraham, I don't think any of us would be wanting to to queue up to, to have a go at Abraham. Because if we know ourselves at all, uh, we are slow to learn believers. One commentator uh, wrote this. After the godly behavior Abraham had shown recently in chapter 17 to 19, why should he now turn back to such deceitful ways? Why did he begin again to rely on human schemes for his protection rather than on God? And the answer is, Abraham was human. The Bible shows us both the virtues of its characters and also their weaknesses. This should be an encouragement to us. We don't have to be perfect in order to find acceptance with God. Abraham was a a slow to learn, a very human believer. And we could think about Peter, uh, who we're uh, thinking still about in the morning. Uh, Peter, as we track his, his progress, as he follows Jesus, he's a slow-to-learn believer. He keeps on making the same mistakes. Think about Paul in uh, Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, uh, Paul, he, uh, in verses 7 through to verse 25, I'm not going to read it just now, you can read it when you go home, uh, we have the, the honest confessions of a slow-to-learn believer. He, he says, I'm paraphrasing, the good things I want to do, I don't do, even though I'm desperately trying to do them. And the evil things I don't want to do, here I go, I've done them again. Mm-hmm. And you sense the frustration, and he says towards the end of that chapter, who's going to rescue me from this body of sin, from this struggle? And he says, thanks be to God for, for Jesus. So Abraham, he's a, he's a slow-to-learn believer. But we see the grace of God here and the patience. Some of the, if you, you were to read the commentaries on, on this passage, um, some of the more liberal commentaries, which I wouldn't advise that you read, uh, they suggest that Genesis 20 is a mistake. It should never be in the, the text. <coughs> some of the, the liberal commentators, uh, they, they think that the editors, uh, they, they got all this mixed up. They just got the names mixed up. And Abraham, he just made the mistake once. Maybe in Egypt, maybe in Gerar, but definitely not in both places. And so somebody's got confused and it's found its way twice into the text. Abraham couldn't possibly have been that stupid, they say. But most of the commentators, the reliable commentators, uh, say that's wrong. And they agree that the account is in twice because Abraham kept on making the same mistake. The Puritans when you read some of uh, their works, they, they talk about besetting sins. And besetting sins just means sins that we keep on slipping into. 
And we all have them. You don't need to go around the room and confess them, but all of us can think about the areas in our lives uh, where we, we keep on falling. The, the well-worn uh, paths that can be traced in our lives. Just like if you look on a hill, you can see where the sheep uh, make their way along the, the hill. You can see these well-worn paths. And there are well-worn paths in our lives where we travel under the evidence of the besetting sins that we, that we struggle with. And Abraham had this besetting sin. So why is this included? Uh, well, I think this is included for our encouragement. This is in the, the text uh, because it shows us that, that Abraham uh, had struggles. He had battles. He was wrestling in a spiritual life. Uh, why are we told, what's and all, uh, how Peter struggled and how Paul struggled? Well, it's to encourage us. If you're struggling tonight uh, in your, your life of faith as we seek to follow the Lord, it's, it's the evidence of the Spirit of God in us. As it wages war, as he wages war against the old nature. The, the struggle is the evidence of salvation. Uh, when we're struggling in our lives, it's not something that should rob us of assurance and say, I, I should never be struggling if I was a proper Christian. If you're a proper Christian, you will be struggling. And if there's no struggle, you're probably not a proper Christian. Alistair Begg in his notes this morning said, from the point of conversion through to the point of seeing Christ and being made like him, the Christian is involved in a continual and irrevocable, I can't read my own writing, a continual and uh, irrevocable, I think it is, war against temptation. You get the point. From the minute that we believe to the minute that we leave planet Earth and go to be with the Lord, there will be a battle. There might be a lack of faith. It might be anger. It might be lust. It might be greed might be envy, might be laziness, but there's a battle. And so this is included so that we can be encouraged by the fact that uh, even the, the first fathers that God called to follow him, they struggled. And this is included also uh, for our, our rebuke. If we are in sin, uh, as Abraham was in his approach into this place, uh, we're to repent. We're to come to the God who is patient with us. We're to come to the God uh, who is uh, slow to anger, who is abounding in love, and who is ready to forgive those who return to him. So first of all, we see the slow to learn uh, believer. And secondly, here we see uh, the sovereign God. And this really is what Abraham has lost sight of. This is at the heart of the problem that, that Abraham is in. He's lost sight of God. And he's lost sight of the, the power, uh, the sovereign power of God. Abraham actually needed uh, to pick up the mission praise book and sing a couple of verses of immortal, invisible, God-only wise. Abraham, as he approaches uh, this land, uh, he sees Abimelech, king of Gerar, and he panics. Uh, he, he thinks to himself, oh no, the king is going to see Sarah, and he's going to want her. 
and he's going to recognize I'm her husband and he's going to want to get rid of me so that he can take hold of her so I better come up with a plan to fix this. I think that's his logic. It's a bit of a confusing thing because Sarah, I think, was around... Well, she was not far off 100 years old now. But maybe there was special beauty that was coming over Sarah as she approached the time of uh, giving birth to, to Isaac. But whatever it is, Abraham seems to recognize that this king will want to take hold of his wife. He wants to save his own skin. And so he comes up with this, this ill-advised plan. Because Abraham has lost sight of the, the sovereign God. Uh, his focus is on Abimelech. And yet Abimelech is not the, the sovereign one in this story. God is. Abimelech is not the one who's, who's in control in this story. God is. And in the next few verses, God uh, demonstrates that as he confronts Abimelech in his dreams. So let's just step through these verses. Verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. That wouldn't have made for the best night's sleep um, in Abimelech's house as the Lord meets him in the stream. Uh, and I think one point to note here, just in passing application, is that Abraham's sin, his, his deceptive plan, his lack of faith, it puts everyone at risk. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, if I sin, then I grieve the Holy Spirit and I, I harm myself. But everybody else is unaffected. But that's never the way it is. Abraham's sin here, it puts Abimelech at risk. It puts a, a whole nation at risk. And it puts his wife Sarah at risk. And we, we need to see that. Our sin will never only affect us. It will always affect many others. So let's read on verse 4. Now Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Again, we see the sovereign power of God. God is not seen here, but he is, he is active. Even in the, the subconscious, even in the dream world of Abimelech, uh, God is at work uh, to speak to him. Uh, God is at work in Abimelech's life to restrain Abimelech so that he will not sin against God. And we, we must always see sin is against God. Yes, Abimelech, if he enters into adultery, uh, he is sinning against Abraham. Well, he's grieving Abraham, but sin is... It's always against God. Remember with Bathsheba and David, uh, the, the repentance, the forgiveness that David seeks is first and foremost with God. And here we, we see the sovereign power of God uh, in the life and the subconscious of Abimelech. And he's, he, he's exercising this restraining grace to stop Abimelech from sinning against him. And it reminded me, it reminded me of a story that Enesian used to tell. Uh, in, uh, in Inverness he, he remembered uh, as a young boy he grew up in Scalpy some of you would remember that 
He knew the word of God. He knew the gospel. He wandered off. He, he, he rebelled against God. He was in Glasgow. And uh, there was all kinds of things he said he could have got into. But he was so aware, even before he was converted, of the restraining grace of God. He told a story about one night when he uh, ended up in a group of friends who all wanted to go to a fortune teller. And he knew in himself that this was the wrong thing. He knew that there was a darkness in that situation. And yet he found himself swept along into the situation uh, with his friends. And he, he didn't want to, to be the guy that, uh, that stepped out. So one by one they went, they went in. And uh, when his turn came, he, he went in. And he had his 50 pence or whatever in his pocket. And he put it in the hand of the, the fortune teller. But before he did, he prayed just for a moment. And he handed over the money. And she looked at him and she said, You have just put a power between us that is stronger than I can get through. I can do nothing for you. Leave. And it's the restraining grace of God. And so Abimelech in, in his dreams, he meets with the, the real sovereign. Abimelech may be the mini king of that land, but he is confronted by the real sovereign, the king of kings. And Abimelech, he, he listens, he responds. In some ways, Abimelech has a whole lot more faith than Abraham does. Because when you think about it, Abraham, he has just lost the plot at this point. He's a mature Christian, but he's lost the plot. Abraham, remember, has been told by God that in, in less than a year's time, Sarah will give birth to, to his son. This son that would bring a blessing to the whole nation, to nations. That's a promise that God has made to him. In less than a year's time, the Lord said, you will have a son with Sarah. And yet Abraham puts all that at risk when he actions this plan which in all likelihood would put his wife Sarah into the bed of another king. Weirsby, the commentator, says, Abraham's selfishness and unbelief almost wrecked his own life and the future of the Jewish nation. It's, the, it's an example of the most extreme spiritual recklessness, and yet God is still sovereign, God is still in control, God is still working, and God is still faithful to his promise to Abraham and Sarah. And it puts us in mind, perhaps, of the verse in, in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So what should this cause us to do? As those who are uh, far removed from that time and that place. Well, this should cause us, I think, an application to keep our eyes on the sovereign God. To never lose sight of the sovereign God. This should cause us uh, not to panic when we enter into the, the, the gearars of, of our day and age. But to know that God is in control. Abraham learned the hard way uh, that God was in control. That he was still sovereign over all. Even in that dark place of, of Gerar, we see in the midst of all that mess and darkness, God was at work. And yet if we want a, a supreme example of that, we don't need to, to look at Gerar. We can look at, at Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. And where it looked 
like everything was out of control. Where it looked uh, like darkness had overwhelmed everyone and everything. And yet in the darkness, God was still in control. Still sovereign. Still working out his purposes to save us. So we see the slow to learn believer. And yet we see uh, the, the sovereign God. And we're not finished, but we'll leave it there tonight. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And we thank you for the, the reality, the honesty uh, of, of all that we read of in the Bible. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that the characters that you called to follow you are real. And we thank you that uh, we receive encouragement as we, as we see the steadiness of your people in the, the tasks that you give them to do that they, that they do well as they lean upon you and trust you and obey you. And we thank you also that we, in some strange way, receive encouragement uh, when we see falls and failures and struggles and battles and defeats sometimes. We thank you that in that we recognize the struggles that we have in our own lives and in that we, we are taught how to repent. We thank you for uh, these Psalms even, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, uh, where we are given these prayers that we can pray when we fall and we struggle and we fail. And we thank you for this account tonight in the life of Abraham, a man who had been following the Lord for many years, who was spiritually mature and yet still vulnerable. And we recognize ourselves, Lord, that none of us are, none of us are immune from the attacks of the devil. None of us can think that we will always stand firm. We think of the the, the words of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, when we think we're standing firm, take care lest we fall. So we thank you, Lord, that although we see Abraham in this passage fall, we thank you that we see that you are the God who is gracious, you are the God who picks him and who picks us back up. And we thank you that you are the God who is sovereign, the one who is able to take uh, even the, the messes, even the things the enemy designs for evil, and you are able to use them for good and for your glory. So we worship you, we thank you, we trust you, and we ask, Lord, that when we face the gearars of our experience, uh, that we would not go engineering our own solutions, that we would not go formulating our own faithless plans, but, Lord, that we would trust you, and, Lord, that we would uh, look to you and follow you to hear our prayers, uh, take away our sin, and increase our faith. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And now may that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.